You're listening to the Tuna Town Talks Fishing Podcast with Captain Paul Miller. Hello everyone, and thanks for listening. I'm a full-time charter captain based out of Ennis, Louisiana, and over the years I've seen some of the most incredible things, and some of my friends have told me some of the most unbelievable stories, so much to where I decided I would like to start a podcast. And now a word from our title sponsor, Blue Wave Boats. Blue Wave has been the number one selling bay boat along the Gulf Coast for many years now. And with over 50 square miles of marsh located out of Venice, Louisiana, it is essential that I choose the right boat to put my clients on fish. For the last four to five years, I've been using a 24-foot bay boat powered with a single 300 Suzuki, and it's been an amazing boat. However, over the years, I've also learned that I like to target a lot of different species that are near shore, so having a bigger boat with more power could help with that, which is why I've decided to move to a 26 Pier Bay powered with twin 200 Suzukis, and this has been the perfect size boat for being able to target multiple different species, especially because the boat has over four live wheels in it, which allows me to use multiple different baits to target multiple different species. With the flush mounted seating, I'm also able to maintain ample fishability, all while still providing a comfortable ride for my clients. With the step toll technology, I'm able to be more fuel efficient at higher speeds, which is also a huge advantage when making long runs through the marsh. If you would like to purchase a Blue Wave boat, head on over to bluewaveboats.com where you can find your local dealer. One of my favorite things to eat while out on the water is either beef jerky or snack sticks. And my favorite place to get this is bourgeoismeatmarket.com. That's right, guys. This is some really good stuff. They don't use any nitrates or preservatives. It comes from one of the oldest meat markets in the world with over 130 years in existence and their fourth generation taking over now. I really want to get the word out about their product and how easy it is to go on their website, order what you want, and leave it on your boat. So go to bourgeoismeatmarket.com and use code TUNATOWNTALKS in all capital letters to get 10% off your order. That's right, guys. Go to bourgeoismeatmarket.com and use code TUNATOWNTALKS in all capital letters to get 10% off your order. That's bourgeoismeatmarket.com. B-O-U-R-G-E-O-I-S meatmarket.com. All right, guys, here on another episode, I got an awesome guest with me today, uh, Toby Berthelot. He is the owner of the Rising Suns, and um, we're here today just uh, I, I would uh, a good friend of mine put me in touch with him, and I wanted to get to know him more and uh, hopefully discuss you know all different types of things about their operation and their wins and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, say hey to everybody, Toby. Hey, glad <laughs> to be here, man. Thanks, Paul, for uh, setting us up. Uh glad parker hooked us up so yeah yeah i can't thank parker enough he seems to be my end to a lot of the sport fishing world because i'm just a charter captain down in venice so it That's does right. he's it the, does help. like the mayor of sport fishing he knows everybody so <laughs> <laughs> i've never heard it put That's like right. that but that That's is right. true he is kind of the mayor of sport fishing yeah. but um cool man um so toby um i guess just go ahead and tell us like how you how you started uh how you started fishing where you you know, at whatever age you want to start at, like where, where sure. you, where yeah, you know, growing up, um, my dad gets seasick, uh, never really saltwater fish hardly at all. In my childhood, we were freshwater fish, go bass fishing in the spillway from the Baton Rouge area. So spillway was close for us and kind of grew up doing that. And, but I always was more passionate, wanted to do bigger. And, um, 
my ex-wife's father-in-law, my ex-father-in-law, he had a camp in Grand Isle that we helped him build. So I started fishing out of Grand Isle and, um, I guess when I was in high school and, uh, started doing red snapper fishing, mangrove fishing, things like that. Um, kind of a cool thing we started doing that got us hooked was, um, you know, nobody really mangrove fishing back in those days. And, um, we, we, and it was probably by an accident. We had those big bass crankbaits, the real, uh, mm-hmm. big bill crankbaits. And we would go up to those the little rigs right off of Grand Isle, two or three miles off and like bass fish the, the rigs. And I mean, we would catch the mangroves and that was like some of the best fighting in the world. And yeah, so that kind of got us hooked. And <laughs> I bet you went through a lot of lures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we started buying the, the mirror lure version. You know, you're paying five, six bucks a lure back then. And then we found some at Academy and they were like 99 cents. So we would go and buy every one they had at every store and you'd probably lose 20 of them, you know, every trip. But, uh, it was cool. And that got me hooked. And, you know, so we, he, he only had a 19 foot Cape horn and, you know, uh, cause we would go spec fishing, you know, right. stuff like that, red fishing. And then we'd go catch snapper and stuff. So what year was this? Just a good, this kind of was probably in the nineties. Um, so 90, three to 97 or so in awesome, that, that yeah. time frame and and then um you know i started seeing people catching tuna that's when people started going tuna fishing and you know and wanted to do it and so my brother and i and his father-in-law bought a, a center console uh, probably wor- worst boat ever on the 20 27 foot pro line worst <laughs> that's riding. the boat I, I grew up on man <laughs> my dad still has it in 1996 yeah that's, i think ours was a um and somewhere around there 97 98 and like i mean loved it we got in and out but man you know you had, had the shin platform on the back yep, and yep all that. that's right yeah. yep. had shin splints every time we got back from those tuna trips and kissed the ground but <laughs> we always made it back and forth safe and so we started tuna fishing and man we didn't know what we were doing had no clue should have hired a charter and go teach <laughs> us how the hell to do it but you know we probably made 10 trips and didn't catch shit we hooked a bunch of them, you know, we didn't understand the concept of drag and setting a drag, you know, and we think, Hey, you got a 50 wide, you can catch anything, you know, you don't, you don't have yeah. to worry about what the drag is. We got 50 pound test, you know? Right. <laughs> so we broke off a bunch of fish and just didn't know what we were doing. And then, uh, as a grand out tarpon rodeo a few years after that. And, um, we go out and we catch our first tune on like the Wednesday before we were pre-fishing. So we caught like five or six tuna, all about a hundred pounds. We're all pumped up. Like this is the first tuna we ever caught and like 10 dry runs. So I have a cousin who was in the seafood business. He's like, man, I got a dude that'll buy these tuna. We can pay for the gas for the whole trip and you know, we can just sell them. So it's like, shit, it's Wednesday. We're going to catch these things Thursday, Friday, Saturday and whatever, you know, hell yeah, let's sell them. So he brings a tuna to the guy to sell them or whatever and, Needless to say, we never got a dollar for the damn tuna. <laughs> gave the first ones away. We never never got the any first meat. ones you actually caught. You gave them away. <laughs> gave them away. Never ate anything. Never got a dollar. And then to make it even worse, the next three days we fished and we didn't catch a damn tuna <laughs> the rest of the trip. So it's amazing that we we stayed we stuck with it after all that. But you know we stuck with it. We got pretty good at it. Um, you know, that was when people were kind of first starting to live bait and chunk and do different yeah. stuff. You know, Peace was just getting started and are, are known in Venice. I'm sure he started way before that. But, right. um, you know, so we got to doing it, and, you know, and, I mean, we were putting 55-gallon drums of gas in the back of the boat with no radar running in the middle of the night. Like, it's a wonder we didn't kill ourselves. But <laughs> I say the same thing because I, I grew up on a, a 26 Pro line, and we mm-hmm. even make – 
multiple times throughout the year. We'd make the run from Gautier, Mississippi, all the way to the Rampal, and maybe, you know, Horn Mountain even at times. And, you know, you would come in on fumes. Yep, yep. (laughs) But there's something about that that makes your passion even – like more you know what i mean no like doubt. that they gives you that want and that like drive to just like keep getting after it and like the i don't know i remember it was always like a huge craving to get into blue water you mm-hmm. know and see blue water and get in the water and all that kind of stuff yeah no doubt no doubt but but we loved it and that's you know kind of how we cut our teeth uh tuna fishing we would leave grand isle we were doing green canyon stuff you know so we'd be marco polo atlantis all that stuff down there and um a lot of crazy stuff you know um making it back didn't really care about a marlin um really only wanted tuna fish you know um passionate about it so we you know we did that um all the way until i guess prior to that i had a cousin who had a a sport fishing boat and you know being young and you know teenager or whatever and you know always wanting to own a sport fishing boat was like a a goal of mine and i remember saying hey i'm gonna their boat was like a, a custom 50-foot aluminum boat that they had. It was a Miss Regal. My cousin, uh, they have a, a boat here fishing now, Houdini, uh, Jim Smith. But their, you know, his father's boat was a um, an aluminum-made uh, uh, sport fisher, you know. So that was always like a goal, you know, when you see that fish and how they fish and what they do. Yeah. So I always wanted it, but, you know, at the time – right out of college, you know, uh, starting a family and those kind of things. Budget-wise, it didn't work out. But, you know, I always said I'm going to own me a boat like that. And, you know, everybody's like, whatever, you know, you you know. So it was a passion, kept at it, you know, uh, worked hard, had a few good luck in business. And in 2010, we were able to buy a boat. My brother and I bought it together. What uh, kind of business were you in? I know people would be dying to know that. <laughs> so um, I kind of did a few things. I, I went to college to be an airline pilot. So I, I graduated college and I was an airline pilot. Uh, for like eight years and my dad and our two uncles started a few businesses a a tree service a hardware store an electric business and throughout time uh, it evolved to where my dad owned the electrical business by himself so my brother took over the electrical business for my dad when he got into politics and um, my brother was running the business and I was flying and on my days off I didn't have kids at the time so you know I would schedule where I would work Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, flying. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I would work at our electric business. And he and I kind of worked together on the electric business, and Katrina happened. and We had a good opportunity to grow our business, so I kind of stepped away from the flying, and we grew our electric business. So our, our electric business was Sun Electric was the name of it, which is part of the name of our boat is why it was Rising Suns. We just spelt it because right. it was two of us, so we changed instead of S-U-N, we changed it to S-O-N-S, but. Right. And the little sun behind the Marlin is our electrical logo is kind of the. That's cool, man. That's really reason. cool. I think it's always awesome how all the boats are kind of named after, you know, how they got their, you know, the business or how they got their money or whatever. I think yeah, yeah. Cool. It's usually some kind of pun on words that, you know, yeah. relates. To, so a lot of times you look at it and you're like, man, that's the dumbest name in the world. But it makes sense to someone. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, and then my, my brother, um, he likes to fish. And, and when he actually comes on the boat, he's very passionate about it. But likes to do a lot of other things and and we're both pretty busy with life and uh so you kind of got to pick and choose what you want to do so he he wasn't as passionate about the fishing uh as i was so and i don't know i guess five or ten years ago i bought him out of the boat so i own it myself now um 
So, but he still fishes with us, and you know, it's never changed the name. Obviously, kept it the same. And what kind of boat is it? Uh, it's a fifty-eight Viking. So, 58 Viking. yeah, it's an older one. It's a, a ninety-eight model, but we're actually doing a complete refit. Um, I don't know if I need my head examined or not, but you know, we're <laughs> we're putting brand new engines in a sonar, gyro, redoing the salon. So, pretty much, it's going to refit it, on yeah, it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we're making a pretty big jump in horsepower. We're going from a, uh, we had 1,200 mans in it. We're going to 1,900 mans. So, so we're adding 1,400 horsepower. So, should, wow, should well, get quite a bit of speed. It. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully so. So, wow. kind of uh, hopefully going to, supposed to go on the water Monday. So, hopefully, on Monday. Hopefully, yeah. Tuesday and guys, I guess for the people that are listening, we are at the Golden Nugget at the Billfish Classic right now, and um, it, that's super cool, man. So, I guess you said you're fishing with another team. Uh, yeah, so we got lucky. Uh, Chris Bezor, uh, a friend of mine, owns Grand Marine in Orange Beach. Um, he uh, has a sport fishing boat, and they were considering fishing, but they weren't sure if they had enough people. So I reached out to him actually last week to fish the Masters. I got pushed back, and uh, he was interested in fishing this one. So, uh, you know, Chris really bailed us out and got us a uh, <laughs> got us a, a boat to fish on, and a beautiful boat. It's a '65 Viking enclosed bridge, and uh, I can't thank him enough for that, you know. That's super cool. And part of why it's so important, I guess, to explain as well is um, we fished a sport fishing championship uh, circuit. So my daughter fishes with us. She's one of our main angler. She actually won angler of the year in the sport fishing championship last year. And um, it's five tournaments in the Gulf of Mexico. So it's the Louisiana Bill Fish, the Masters in Orange Beach, the uh, Mississippi Bill Fish, Destin, uh, the Emerald Coast in Destin, and then the TIFF tournament, which is in South Padre. So they take you three best tournaments, and they add up the points that you get from either dead marlin or released marlin or sailfish, whiteies, et cetera. And then the top person in the – there's a East Coast and a Gulf region, and the top of each one wins, I think, 100 to 150000 And then you go to the finals in Puerto Rico, and the winner wins a million dollars. So th- this being one of the tournaments, and we're one of the TV crew – you know, we have a TV – we're part of the TV show on CBS Sports on the Sport Fishing Championship. So um, missing this tournament, it was a huge deal for us. So, I mean, that's why it's, you know, helps right. us out big yeah. time that Chris let us fish with him. That so. makes sense, yeah, when you're looking at the big picture. Because there's not a ton of boats that, you know, aim to do all that, is there? I mean, I guess there is quite a few. But, I mean, some boats only fish one or two tournaments kind of they don't really care about the big the big side of it all that's right that's right so we um i think there's 20 boats so last year it was free so there's a lot of boats who registered this year they had a fee so it was less boats that registered because they weren't going to fish all of them that really have a chance so i think they added two boats in this tournament so i think there's 20 boats in the golf that's fishing the sfc so that's cool yeah it's cool it's cool so we finished third in it last year we fished um you know which that's awesome. Yeah, and, you know, I guess to finish third in an event which encompasses 11 tournaments from the East Coast to golf and the, and the Caribbean, and we were probably one of the only boats without a sonar. You know, we're wow. doing 21, 22 knots where everybody else is doing in the 30s, you know, like so a lot of disadvantages we had that hopefully we're fixing with these, <laughs> these upgrades we're doing. But, you know, it really kind of um, – still very happy on our finish you know i, I think absolutely in the tournaments man, amazing i think we caught 26 marlin last year or something so out of how many tournaments oh that was 11 11, 11 tournaments, tournaments so. and 26 marlin yeah so wow, we had, we had a good 
we didn't have we do we were consistent the whole year you know we didn't have anywhere we caught you know like somebody's boats are catching five six seven like i think team supreme last weekend caught seven marlin so i haven't been fortunate enough to have those kind of trips but you know mm-hmm. two to three marlin every trip last year i think we had one trip we didn't catch a marlin and uh which which is great i mean you know yeah, you can be, be happy with that That's yeah pretty for sure. consistent no doubt for sure no what do you think is like uh like I mean, as an owner, you kind of you have a little bit of a uh, pull in how you construct the team. Like, have you have you? I mean, you, how long have you owned the Rising Suns or been a part of it? So we bought it. I bought the boat in 2010, so it'd be 12 years in December that we owned it. So and um, ha- like, how do you go about constructing your team whenever it comes to that you have the same captain from the start or no? Um, so you know, the the first time I ever driven a sport fishing boat was when we bought this one in Florida. <laughs> so <laughs> I got in it and drove it to Destin, me and my brother and a friend of ours. Not to stop you, but I want to back up. Did you go from a pro line to this or did y'all have, I had a catamaran in between, but I went, had from a, catamaran I went between. a 28 foot catamaran. So pretty much from that to this. Right. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I just, you know, I said, Hey, let's learn how to do it. So I didn't know shit. Uh, we show up and buy a boat in Florida and, uh, get in it the first time I parked it was when we ended up in Destin you know for the night <laughs> uh, it was real windy and you know we got one of those big northern fronts that pushed through so we got our butt kicked the last 20 miles but you know we were so high on adrenaline to finally have a nice boat and you yeah. know and, um, we, we made it work so um, I, I didn't have a captain until last year or a year and a half ago um, I ran the boat myself really um, wow. so kind of we were always very passionate hands-on people and i mean still are today like i you know um if if you're fishing with us you know if nobody told you i was the owner you would know i mean i'll yeah i'll go clean the strainers i'll check the oil change oil you know start the water maker the toilet gets clogged up i'm clogging the toilet if pump breaks (laughs) i'm down there if i need to drive the boat you know whatever i need to do is we see it as a team you know and um and we just really competitive and you know there's a lot of very good teams in this sport and and especially in the golf and you know we just try to everybody do their part and give it hell but so i hired uh jimmy crochet cricket uh, a year and a half ago we were mutual friends he ran another boat conundrum that fished tournaments for years oh, conundrum big name on the leaderboards yeah sure. so he ran that boat for years until mr dan ended up selling the boat and then he went to another boat for a while and uh things didn't work out there so I wasn't really ready to hire a captain at the time, so he just fished with us during tournaments and stuff, and we had pretty good luck and got along good. We were friends before, so, uh, you know, he decided, and we worked a deal out where he fishes with us all the time now, and uh, it really helps, man. I can't tell you how much easier it is having Having uh, somebody that has their their focus on it. focus on the fishing and and really trying to catch the fish and put us on the fish, and, and it's, and we all gel. You know, we're all like our boat. Everybody is chill. Like nobody is mad, uh, mad or hollering or what. You know, everybody's laid back. Like you know, we'll kill an eight hundred pound fish and we're like, cool. You know, <laughs> like we got I it. mean, we're excited, but you know, it's like we don't let the emotion screw up the moment or mess up or whatever. So everybody's pretty calm. And yeah. and then, you know, we were real fortunate last year. Um, you know, we had a, a couple of mates. Um, we we had one guy who was fishing on another boat, but they had some issues with a lightning strike, so they were out. So him and Cricket fished together on the conundrum for years. Um, so it allowed him to fish with us a lot in tournaments and helped. And then we also had another guy from Orange Beach, uh, Pip Aljara. He um, 
he's fished with us all last year and this year and i mean excellent fisherman and uh he, he actually also runs the boat that we're fishing this weekend so it's kind of great to have the backup boat is a boat that he's familiar with so you know those guys they put in the hard work and and make the things happen you know we show up on the weekends to catch the fish and work hard while we're fishing but i mean you know there's days of stuff that goes on if not weeks before you show up to an event like this to compete so right without those people and what they do like you know we wouldn't yeah wouldn't you gotta have a team so. with this you can't you can't be a one-man show that's yep. for sure yeah no doubt <laughs> no doubt so you know having those solid people uh you know the captain with the skills and good at looking at the charts and knowing uh picking the good areas where to go and having connections to phone fish and talk to people and yeah um you know and, and having great charts like i know you just had mr tom in here um you know he fished with us once last year and uh, i have a system where we can look at the charts live on our boat and get the updates and you know we really use those hilton charts they they really yeah, they get us where we need to be you know <laughs> saves a lot of diesel <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, but that's super cool and like you know the one thing that me and tom actually just talked about this and i've heard other people say it that you know whenever you have a team like this, like everybody has to know their role and what they're, what they're going to do. Do you kind of delegate that stuff before, um, you know, everything's gone out? Like, I mean, you know, who's driving the boat, who's wiring the fish, who's gaffing it, who's reeling it in, you know, is, is that all kind of delegated beforehand? Yeah. So on our boat, you know, um, so obviously cap cricket's a captain and, uh, so he's driving the boat. He's now. driving, you the ain't boat. driving the boat. Anymore. No, I mean, I, if I want to drive, I will, but I like, I'm honestly, I, you know, I rather, uh, sit on the mezzanine and watch the baits and, you know, catch baits, hold a rod. Like I'm in a cockpit. So, right, you know, right. I'm, um, I'm kind of like the third mate, if you will. So I kind of fill in the gaps, you know, so the, um, you know, so we, you know, obviously have the mates and the, the mates focus on, you know, starting in the morning making bait. So, you know, they're up three thirty, four o'clock getting things ready, making bait, filling the tubes up. And then if we fill the tubes up early enough, we'll tune a fish for a little while before daylight. And then, you know, we'll fish the day. Those guys will work their butt off all day till dark, and then we'll eat dinner. They typically go to bed. Then we typically have two or three other people that we bring with us that are our night shift tuna crew guys. So, you know, we'll get to a spot where there's some tuna or whatever, and they'll chunk and live bait at night. And, you know, so they'll fish 24-7 doing that stuff. And That's a uh, pretty good idea, man. I never thought about putting it like that. But, like, yeah. if you have a – a crew where everybody can fish then you really can fish 24 7 you never yeah. stop <laughs> we we split it up that's you know you know the passion from tuna fishing in the beginning you know i've always wanted like to tuna fish so it's kind of like you know just like anything in life if you're competing against somebody whether it's a sport or whether it's a business or whatever you know i think nick saban said like you need to beat the guy in front of you every time so if if i fish more if i'm more alert i'm paying more attention i got rotations where we're more effective and we're working harder you know chances are you're probably going to win more so um sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't but that's kind of how we live and you know and and we've learned you know at first when we first started doing this it would i didn't have a captain it would be me and a lot of times i didn't even have a mate have people we were fortunate to have a few people who fished with us who were good, knew what they were doing. But the majority of time, the people didn't know shit. I mean, I would drive the boat. Mm-hmm. We'd get grass on a lure. I'd have to run down the stairs, clear the grass, run back up, drive the boat. Holy you know, cow. Like all kind of <laughs> crazy stuff. So it was just wanted to do it. So you'd fish these tournaments, and, you know, you're wide open. You might sleep two hours a day or something, and yeah. when you get back, you're dead. But 
you know, you're not enjoying yourself. You're tired. You're angry. You're grumpy. You know, things it's supposed to be fun. Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, having a crew and and um, making some type of a shift where you cycle people from sleeping. Uh, you know, people get people sleeping while people are fishing. You know, day night, etc. You always got fresh people and you know people to do yeah. what they want to do. Uh, Oops. So it kind of works for us. Uh, we've been lucky, you know. A lot of stuff we win is, you know, we bet we try to bet smart, and uh, a lot of times some small ass tuna fish we win nice checks with them, you know. So and it's right. just because we're working hard at night when everybody else is sleeping, you know. Yeah, the extra so. work matters, no doubt. You got to work hard. Um, what I, I I'm not asking you to gloat. I know nobody likes to do that, but like, can you tell us about some of your m- bigger rent wins to you? And maybe not even, it ain't got to be money or first place or whatever it can be. But you know, biggest wins in your mind, you know, um, it, from the rising suns. You know, what would that be? So, I got a couple of stories. I guess the first one is not necessarily a win. It's more of a it's a win and a disappointment. So you may remember this when I tell you, but it was 2013 in the Blue Marlin Grand Championship in Orange Beach, Alabama. Um, so we leave on a Thursday. We go out with fish all Thursday afternoon. We don't get a bite, nothing like, not even a nibble. The next day, Friday, we fish all day to like. Three o'clock in the afternoon, finally get a bite, uh, and it it's seems to be a good fish. Uh, don't know what it is. It went down, never jumped. You never saw it. Never saw the fish. Never bite. saw the bite. It ate the shotgun way back. Was it ate a lure? A lure. We were at that time. We didn't we didn't live bait. We were lure fishing. We were actually pulling a purple and silver and black mole craft on a shotgun. Fish ate it. Never saw it. So you know, didn't know if it's a big tuna, marlin, what it was. Uh, there was another boat there. I think it was the gear up. They were live baiting, and we just showed up at the rig, and, you know, we get hooked up right on side of them. So we're backing up. This fish is, like, I mean, peeling Dumping off drag, like like about to melt a string, you know. It's dump. Yeah. It was an 80. It's about to dump it, you know. So What you live for. <laughs> we're, we're doing eight knots backwards, and we're not getting any line. Oh I mean, we're God. just keeping up with the fish. So we're like, shit, this, you know, might be a nice fish, you know. So, um we we get the fish and um I, it took us about an hour and 50 minutes two hours or so finally get the fish on the wire richard creed was fishing with us he was actually worked out that weekend he wasn't doing anything so he fished with us we have some mutual friends and uh know richard real well so luckily we had him in the cockpit so fish comes up he gets it on the wire and then it comes up the first time we see it we like i mean we have the video it jump? no it didn't jump it just when he's wiring it you could come up you where you could see it, the fish yeah. and and I'm driving the boat on the bridge and like everybody's like, wow, you know, like, like flipping holy out, like, shit. holy shit, this is a big <laughs> fish, you know? So we get the fish. He's got to dump the leader three or four times, you know? So this is like second or third. So we own the 2010, we bought the boat. This is the, probably the first year we started tournament fishing. So this is the first Marlin that I ever backed down on. I drove a boat on first one ever. First one first, ever. First one ever. So we backed down on the fish. We had flying gas, but we just had the little six-inch gas, you know, like the tuna gas. Like yeah. we use those for tuna now, not even for the marlin. We didn't have the big marlin. So the the fish comes up, and the two guys, we got a guy on each side with a gaff, and the guy, like, hesitates. He's like, well, you know, the fish is this wide, but my gaff is six inches. Like, how the hell am I going to stick the hook in it, you know? So he hesitates. Well, he finally, the, the fish rolled over, and he, he gaffed it in the belly. Uh, so, which... Looking back on it, that's the worst place you want to gaff a marlin because they bleed so much. And this thing bled everywhere. And 
so we obviously lost a bunch of weight from that but we get the fish in a boat you know we're all hollering and screaming and excited Did y'all take them over the door or over in the door or yeah yeah we we had no we had opened the door it was a big marlin you know yeah. so we think we don't i mean we this might have been the second or third marlin we caught maybe on the boat and this is the first one i was actually driving the boat and we kill it we send maybe 600 pounds 650 pound marlin so we go in Orange Beach on Friday. We drive in the way at Friday night, the middle night of the tournament. And uh, at that time, the Alabama state record was like 756 pounds, I think, or something. And that record had been in place for 24 years. So we get in there, we wait a fish, and we're just waiting in anticipation. You know, they make you wait to see the damn weight, just pumping the crowd up. Probably was seven or 8,000 people in the wharf at the circle right there watching us wait a fish in and so the fish weighs 789 pounds. So we break the Alabama state record. Holy it's shit. been in place for 24 years, and we bet across the board. So, you know, big payday. In that time, I mean, that was like the third year of the tournament. So I think we were going to win like 250 grand or whatever. You know, now that's third place. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so we were all pumped up, excited. You know, acting stupid and. They're like, where well, there's a boat coming in with another big one, too, you know? Like, man, anybody going to beat us, you know? Like, what the hell, you know? So we just hang around. We're going to go back out because the way that tournament was structured, first place paid the heaviest dead fish, but then second place was accumulation of points and tag and release. Um, so we wait, and the other fish comes in an hour and a half after us, real fire, and uh, – uh, Mike Roberto is the captain on it. They, I had they, him on my podcast. So. Yeah, so they catch. He told his story. On yeah, this yeah, too. exactly. So you already heard this story. No, yeah. I have. I so didn't hear this, this side of it. I didn't hear that you had already had. Yeah, one so we time. broke the state record, and he shows up an hour and a half later, and their fish weighs eight hundred and forty-five pounds. So they freaking, you know, broke the state record twice in the same day in Alabama <laughs> in a tournament. Oh man! We both bet across the board. Uh, so it was. It was. Uh, it was one of the most exciting and then, you know. Bittersweet. Bittersweet. But, I mean, look, that was the first year we were tournament fishing, and we ended up getting a that check. That was the for first year. Huh? First year of tournament fishing. And we we caught a, um, you know, uh, we ended up winning like $123,000 in that tournament, which, you know, that was unheard of for us. So, like, it was like, holy shit, like, that's crazy, you know. So, um, it was, like, one of the coolest stories. You know, Did they, y'all go back out? Yeah, so when I was saying how the points worked out, once we got bumped, it made it to where somebody would – because you got two points per pound on a um, – two points per pound on the dead fish. So it made it to where um, somebody would – we had like 1,559 points or something like that. So if somebody caught four blues, they could bump us out a second. So we're like, man, we need to go out and try to catch a fish. You know, the whole crew, everybody was sloppy drunk and, you know, and like they drank every drop of alcohol on the boat. And I don't drink, uh, <laughs> but, you know, my brother was with us at the time. And I mean, they drank everything. Like we didn't have nothing left when we got back. Jesus. I so it was a sloppy show. <laughs> oh, yeah. So when we turned around to leave, you know, we fueled up again. And so we're pulling back out at like midnight. And I'm the only one up. They're all sleeping, and, you know. And so I drive all night to get us back out there to fish again. And, uh, you know, we didn't have any luck. We didn't catch any more. But luckily, nobody else caught a four fish or a bigger one than us. But that tournament, that was like that. I mean, and, and obviously, I got a biased opinion. But my opinion, that tournament put that tournament on that tournament on the map, if you will. Yeah. You know, so there which was a, one was that? Actually? The Blue Marlin Grand Championship. Yeah, so I it agree. was like the third. I remember that. It was I like the that. third third year they had the tournament. 
um, you know, in first place was 845, second place was 789, third place was a 702 that Real Addiction caught, and then they had another fish that was like 600 and something pounds. They killed like eight marlin in that tournament. And Jesus like, Christ. I mean, to catch a 700 pound marlin and you're in third place, like, you know, I mean, that's just unheard of. And, yeah, that's you know, crazy. So it, it was, that was probably our coolest story. Uh, you know, Marlin Magazine made an article about it, and we actually, um, a lot of people do them now, but um, Craig Brumfield was on the yeah. uh, on the uh, the dock when we got there. And he's like, "Hey man, you want to make a, a canvas of the fish?" And I'm like, "Man, what are you talking about?" He's like, "Man, I roll this canvas and we put paint on it, and we'll you know I'll make it pretty for you." And I was like, "Sure, yeah, let's try it." You know, so he got his canvas and he rolled it out. Well, it wasn't long enough. The damn fish was longer than the canvas, so there's a little piece of the bill that wouldn't fit and a little piece of the tail, but we still did it. Yeah. And uh, Real Fire ended up doing their fish as well that night. But, uh, you know, we made a big uh, – it's a beautiful piece of artwork, and we framed it in some cypress wood, and we have it in our conference room in our office. And we got the little Marlin Magazine article next to it, so it kind of – That's super cool. Pretty Craig's cool, a, you know. Craig's a cool dude. And he, yeah. You know, he's he's one of the first to start doing That's right. the, the Blue Marlin in the Gulf of Mexico mm-hmm. like that. And, I mean, he's a, I'm sure he'll be there here yep. this weekend. He will. <laughs> Hopefully I got another way. fish to do. <laughs> <laughs> Call the corner. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But he, he does a, he does a lot of like triple tail prints yep. and dollar sore bills down there in Venice. So he's he's definitely a, a huge asset. Yeah, he everybody. is. He did an awesome job. We you know, we see it every day and um so that was probably the coolest story. The next story is um you know, so we so I guess as we started fishing a little later, um my daughter when she was younger so my son started fishing with us and and he won junior i mean junior angler a few times and really loved it well he started getting seasick and kind of like he still fishes with us but you know he just feels like shit when he's trying yeah, the to passion fish. right the passion's passion there but he just kind of gets outweighed by the, the seasickness so hopefully this gyro and some other medicine we got maybe we can get him a little better now but but my daughter at that time was doing competition dance and so she missed a lot of tournaments and couldn't fish and so we had a we did like a father daughter thing in Grand Isle, and she caught a big snapper, and you know, and that kind of stuff. And she started liking the fishing and enjoying it. So we started taking her fishing, and at the time I was driving the boat, so she would sit up next to me in a chair, and you know, we probably fished for three or four years where she just sat up there next to me, and we'd have people, some people we had in the chair were good, and some people sucked, and like, so she got to see it everything, and I could kind of critique her and say, hey, look, see how he's doing this, and you know, he's doing yeah. this wrong, he should be doing that, and. Angler's a big deal. Yeah, for sure. So um, I think it was the Cajun Canyons. I don't remember the year, but it was, I don't know, I think she was 11 or so, and she caught a tuna. She caught a 80-pound tuna, a 78-pound tuna, something was like her first tuna in the tournament. And she won junior angler and all that stuff. And, I mean, from then she was hooked, you know. Um, so the next year she started fishing. She caught her first blue marlin in the Cajun Canyons and – you know her and Mr. Steve like Mr. Steve loved her and like they'd message all the time so Mr. Steve who's that uh the guy who put on the uh Cajun Canyons tournament okay. just passed away last year okay or this year actually so um you know was, that's what we, the, what hurt so much not having a boat to fish that tournament last year so yeah kind of in memory of him but you know they got along great that was the first marlin she caught in that tournament and he and I pushed her in the water right there at Venice you know probably the worst place how in the world. old was she her first I think she was 12 or 13 for her wow. first blue marlin. That's awesome. Um, That's so, so she cool. kind of 
she evolved and got better and you know now she's our main angler so um she catches pretty much all of our fish i mean i've seen her in a chair she's been in a chair for six hours one day she caught two blue marlin a 140 pound tuna and a dolphin all in the same day uh you know so she's she's very good at it very uh efficient uh she doesn't waste energy she knows what to do like you don't have to tell her anything um you know she's she's good she knows how to keep you know how you have that you're charter captain so i know you know like the you feel the fish how it's pulling and you know how to apply pressure to keep that constant pressure on the fish mm-hmm. some people get that and some people don't you know yeah, you'll see people yeah. overwork and there's them. also like you, you, if if you fight hard the fish tim tends to fight real hard yeah. you know what i mean and there's something to that like whenever it's it's a really it's a feel thing yep. and, and, and you can't really teach it that's right you have to learn through experience yep. you know you can't you can't tell somebody how to do that it's just something they got to they got to do it and then over time they kind of learn you know if you do this the fish is going to react this way and then and then i've always said too women and women and children are, are are your best anglers because they listen to you that's exactly right and then and beyond that you know you get a big big heavy dude i'm gonna get this thing in quick it, it never works out that's right <laughs> it never works out that's exactly right exactly right and, and she has that skill i mean she knows how to feel and what to do and uh very efficient at it and so she's our main angler. She catches, mo- you know, when she's on the boat, you know, obviously we're we're competing in these tournaments, and there's nothing that I'm scared to put her on. I mean, there's no fish that I'm, oh, I don't know if this one, you know, it might be too big for you. How like, old is never, she now? She's 20 now, mm-hmm. but she weighs 90 pounds. I mean, she's a little bitty thing, and but, you know, has the right mindset, not scared of anything, and she knows what she's doing. Um, so she catches most of our fish and then the the point is like not only are we fishing for the money side of it but you know she's competing as a lady angler as lady anglers and all of these events and cool prizes and just you know the prestige is what she's fishing for of of winning lady angler and you know honestly it's kind of cool showing up with all of these people you know best crews in the gulf of mexico and you got somebody 90 pound you know young lady who's beating those guys who you know the big buff muscle men so it's kind it's of got to make you proud as a father too that yeah, you can sure. say like you know you're doing all this but it's like a it's a family thing y'all have so many memories when you know by the end of all this yeah for sure for <laughs> sure hopefully it's, it'll last a lifetime that's one of the things i always talk about fishing is it you know you grab a passion for fishing it'll last you a lifetime you can't say that about every sport no know? that's that's exactly right that's exactly right you, you can do this forever you know and and all the other sports you either get too old or out of shape or whatever and it's always a means to an end you know? right <laughs> so she last year she caught the majority of our marlin we did excellent sfc like i told you she won lady angler and sfc she won lady angler and uh, multiple events last year and i think she caught she caught either 18 or 19 of our 26 marlin last year so she caught the majority of them but the last tournament of the year it was the mobile big game labor day tournament that they have this is last year last year mm-hmm. um she had a chemistry quiz. She's in college at LSU. She had a chemistry quiz that she couldn't miss that she needed to take. So she said, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to go to school. I'm not going to fish this week. And, you know, I guess that should make you proud. But I was kind of like, you sure you don't want to come? You know? <laughs> but she's she's a lot more determined than I am. So she, she stayed and, and went to went to uh, to school and took her quiz. So we're out there fishing. And um, I think it was the second it was the second day. So on the Friday, well, that tournament, you leave on Friday, you come back on Sunday. So on Saturday, we hook into a big fish. Uh, it jumped a few times, and we had 
we had purchased one of the uh, IGFA satellite tags for the golf um, at an auction they did for the club. So we had a satellite tag on our boat to put in a fish. Um, and so I looked and the fish jumped. It was way out there and it jumped. I said, oh, this is a good tag fish, you know, so let's get the tag because it's a special procedure and a special tag stick and all this stuff. So we went to training on that. So everybody's ready to do the tag and we get a little closer and the fish jumps. I'm like, man, I don't know. That fish got a little <laughs> thicker on that last jump, you know. And then it jumped again and Cricket's like, man, that's a nice-ass fish. I that don't one's going to ride. Yeah, I don't know if uh, if we need to be worrying about the tag. You know, we need to make sure we get the gaff. So everybody got all the gaff ready. And and then we're, you know, fighting the fish. And uh, finally, uh, you know, I, I told a guy, like, obviously my daughter wasn't on the boat, so she would normally be catching the fish. So it was me in the chair and, and, uh, you know, the whole time I'm thinking, like, I, I really want to catch this fish and be a nice fish. But, like, I'd much rather my daughter, because we hadn't killed a fish in a tournament the whole year. Mm-hmm. We had another previous uh, ladies tournament a couple weeks before that that was release only that we caught two kill fish in that tournament. But, you, you know, it was release only. So we let them both go. And then so the fish comes up. Then I, I feel it, and I, I told the guy I got tail wrapped, and he's like, how the hell you know that? I'm like, I'm telling you, the fish is tail wrapped. I feel it. I can feel it change, and I felt the tail hitting the line. and So fought it for a little longer. Fish comes up dead. Luckily, I knew it, it died, so I stopped it before it sucked out a bunch of lines. So we got it up pretty quick. And we came up, and we luckily we didn't have to gaff it. It was already dead, you know, so we drag it in the boat. And we're like, holy shit, that's a big fish, you know, and, so we measured, but our tape, we had a little tape, and it was only 120-inch tape. Well, the tape wasn't long enough, you know, so I was like, we got a nice fish, you know. So we thought it was 124, 125 inches, somewhere around That's there. That's a which, big fish. Which the fish that we broke the state record was 123 inches. So we're like, shit, this is a, a really nice fish, you know. And So we go in, weigh it, it ends up weighing seven the other one's, this was 785, so 789 was a 2013 fish. This, last year we killed a 785 fish. Uh, so it was two inches longer, but it was a little a little, a less, little lighter. A little lighter, but so we um, we're all pumped up about that. So we won first place in the tournament. We actually won the, the club season. We're a club member on the, the biggest yeah, marlin. Yeah, that's badass. And then, and then we won the mongo. So, oh, uh, you won the mongo we, with that fish? With that fish, we won the mongo. So, wow. So this tournament – uh, Biloxi tournament last year, it just takes time, killed a 776-pound fish, and they were in first place in the Mongo, and then we caught that fish and beat them. Like about at, a few at, pounds. About huh? a few pounds. So that was Labor Day, so that's you know first week of September or whatever, second, third, fourth, fifth, or whatever it was, and the Mongo goes to September 30th. And everybody's like, oh, you want it, you want it. I'm like, if anybody can lose this, it's me. You know, after, after what <laughs> I've happened done to me. it before. Yeah, so I said, I'm not counting my chickens until the end of the month and it's closed. So we sweated for that last month. But, you know, the, the chances of losing aren't very good uh, at that point because, right. you know, the, There's the, not many the tournament people left. are done. And so yeah. not that people can't catch them and people weren't fishing, but, you know, it kind of just changes the quantity of people yeah. fishing. So And luckily we had a few bad weather weeks in the middle of that. So kind of kept people from fishing so it was cool i mean a great experience to win the mongo but then you know then it really hit you like man you know as much as i enjoyed it i wish my daughter could have caught the fish and absolutely so the while we were fighting the fish that morning there was another boat i forget the name of it but they caught a fish that was like 
it was like a 120 inch fish but it ended up being very light but she texted me saying hey this these people killed a 120 inch fish or whatever it was and I didn't answer for like an hour and a half or two hours. I was fighting the fish, you know. So after that time, we got the fish in the boat and everything. So I read her text message, and uh, I said, I said, well, ours is bigger than that. And she responded, yeah, I hope you get one. I said, no, it's on the deck. Like, ours is bigger than that. And she's like, no way. I said, no, I'm for real. Like, we Send killed. her a picture. <laughs> so I sent her the picture with us laid in the boat, you know, and, and uh, she, she freaked out. And so her and her, my parents and everybody they got in the car from Baton Rouge and drove to Orange Beach so they would be there when we were away. Because we caught it on the Saturday. We stayed out and came in on Sunday. So they all met us there, got to, to back in on the way in. And, and my mom and dad, my dad, like I said, gets seasick and my they've been to a few kind of events but they never really saw you know they they to them they, at that time they didn't get it you know like kind of to them it's like why the hell you do this why you spend all this money why are you so passionate why you you know all this work y'all do and like why you know so we're in the boat with this big ass fish and we're backing in and everybody's watching you and you know and kind of how cool it is and they pull in the big ass fish and everybody's cheering and so I remember my mom's on the side of me, and, you know, we're in the picture. I got the whole family and the whole crew and, like, you know, all of us. And, and, you know, before they take the picture, I'm like, I said, this is why we do it, Mom. I said, you know, like, she was as happy as we were, you know, seeing all of it and kind of the accomplishment that you do. And, and then, uh, you know, how you talk about proper planning to to end up in those events. So all of the fishing stuff you plan, and I was at – dc mardi gras in february before the season started and they had the bands and all the stuff going on in, in washington dc and these people start shooting these confetti cannons you know like shuddy's got these yeah. graduations and all this shit right right well somebody had some with some little hundred dollar bills in it so i immediately went home in february and i ordered two cases of these little hundred dollar bill confetti cannons like fake ones or? yeah it's yeah. just like little fake little bitty hundred dollar bills it shoots <laughs> out the deal so I went and bought two cases of them, and I said, we're saving these when we kill a marlin. We're going to shoot them, you know, in a picture or whatever. So in our picture on the Mongo and all the other stuff, you see the confetti in there. It's a little $100 bill. So. <laughs> so that's we, cool how you put that yeah. into fruition like that. Yeah, like so you, we, you, yeah, I think that's what it takes sometimes is you got to really. Got to have that vision, right? You got to have that vision. <laughs> like it's the They say it's like the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. If you want it bad enough, it'll happen. But at the same time, if you don't want it to happen bad that's enough, right. it'll that's still right. happen. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> don't say you're not going to do something because that's the first thing you end up doing. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's so cool, man. How much money did y'all end up winning off of that? So I think the tournament we won about 120 thousand. There, there weren't that many boats in the tournament, and no, we won 108 or 110 in the tournament, and we won like 120 in Mongo. So it ended up being a 240 thousand dollar fish. So absolutely, that's it definitely badass. made made the year for us. Um, you know, we had a lot of other tournaments. We won, you know, little checks here, there, and, uh, you know, that kind of put us at a break-even point for the year, which, you know, if you do this enough, you know that's a great year if you can break <laughs> even. So, you can break even. Yeah, yeah. so it's it's a, a good event. You know, we, um, we, we had a good year last year. Caught a lot of fish. That's awesome, man. Any other, like, big stories? One, one other cool story is um, – we have a lady who fishes with us a lot. Her and her husband. Uh, her name is Dawn Harrison. And, um, What's your daughter's name? Too? Uh, Jacelyn Berthelot. It's my Jacelyn daughter's name. Berthelot. Yep, okay. yep. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, for she sure. For sure. Yeah, no doubt, no <laughs> doubt. And uh, she wants me to put a plug in for our Instagram stuff. So she runs all our social media stuff. So go uh, ahead. Yeah. So it's uh, 
rising.sons.oba is okay. our Instagram page, and she runs all that and uh, you know tries to keep up to what we're doing and where we're going and kind That's of cool. some, some pretty yeah. cool stuff. Um, but the lady Dawn Harrison and her husband Scott Harrison, they fish with us a lot. We met through mutual friends, and uh, they're from Alabama, and they have a condo in Orange Beach and stuff. And so Dawn's kind of like a professional photographer, so she fished with us, and she's always taking pictures and stuff. And and a lot of times my daughter's catching a marlin, and she's there taking the pictures, and uh, and Dawn's never caught a marlin. So we wanted to get her on a marlin. And last year we had really good. Jason caught a lot of marlin, and, you know, and, so there's a ladies' tournament that we fish, and you know we bring my wife Alexis and uh, all the other daughter Shaylin and Jacelyn, and we fish this tournament kind of as a family with Dawn and her husband always fish with us. So before that we said, and it always falls out right around her birthday. So we told, um, you know, Jacelyn like, look, we want let Dawn catch a marlin, and she was all excited, wanted to catch. All, you know, Dawn does so much for us, and the picture she takes, and I mean, unbelievable stuff that she does, mm-hmm. and uh, her and Scott. So she, we get a marlin, get a bite, we're live baiting. And we didn't see the fish. We knew it was a marlin, but it like a big fish, we could tell. But it was acting weird, almost like a shark, you know, but fought it, fought it. She fought this fish for five hours. It's her first marlin she ever caught. And I'll, sh- I'll show you a picture of it. She's like, last time. <laughs> <laughs> so this marlin comes up on the wire. And uh, we keep one of those uh, pole cameras underwater. So... You know, a lot of times you go to wire to marlin and it comes off. So having that underwater footage is, you know, a lot of times a chance of getting that never positive that. identification if it's a blue, a white, or sail. Because if you don't see the fish, then they give you the lower points. Mm-hmm. So immediately, you know, we film the wire, the mate touching the leader, and we go in the water with the camera immediately to get that underwater footage and typically get some cool-ass footage. Mm-hmm. And the new GoPros where you can go frame by frame to take pictures. So when we pull, when the mate's wiring the marlin, when he pulls it up, it's like laid sideways. It's like weird. And it's like, holy shit, this is a big ass marlin. We somewhat got a measurement and it was over 120 inch fish. So it was very close to a mongo fish. And this was before we killed the other one. So we were kind of like, man, should we kill it for the mongo, even though there's not a kill in the tournament? But, you know, we we kind of believe in karma a lot, you know, and you don't want to do the wrong thing. And we're not the team that deck check shit or whatever, you know, we try to always do the right thing. And, um, so the fish was 700 pound fish. I mean, it was a big fish. So we get up and as we wired and we trying to get a little closer where the fish comes undone, swims off, just pulled the hook or, well, so we started looking at the pictures we took and the marlin, it ate the bait and it was basically lassoed it wasn't even hooked so the hook went uh the line went through the mouth uh between the uh the dorsal fins it basically cut a hole between the two spikes so the line was like a choker and the hook was hooked back around the line so she fought this fish for five hours and it wasn't even hooked (laughs) and like so that was her first blue marlin to catch a 700 pound blue marlin I mean, it was just and on a live bait too. On a live bait, crazy. Yeah, I don't so know how bizarre. it didn't get hooked. Or, like, I, it's, it's weird. Hey, I caught the biggest swordfish I ever caught was three hundred pounds, and it wrapped around both peck fins and around its anal fin, hooked back on the line. The fish came up belly first. <laughs> that's in <wild>. my bay boat. <laughs> that's wild. That's that's crazy. It's crazy how that happens. Yeah, it's I weird. I don't get it's that. Just how it happens. Yeah. And then so we catch that fish after five hours, you know, and then we 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 put the baits out. We got three baits out. And all three lines, 
All so we, three? All three of them. We hooked three marlin at the same time. We're like, holy shit. <laughs> a whole pack of them. One's going this way. The other two are going, they're going the, you know, one's going in front of the boat. The other two are going behind the boat, but in opposite ways. And the line's twisted, like, completely. So I'm back there with, with 130s, like, twirling them like it's a, a freaking Zepco, you know. Like, I don't <laughs> how my back didn't get thrown out doing that. So finally get them unwrapped. Wrap, one of them burns off. Oof. And then... So we still have two on. One's going the other way. So my wife is in a chair on the first one, and she's – it was her first blue marlin. So it was her first blue marlin, too. She caught a striped marlin in Cabo the year before that. So this is – she's – so the, the other lady caught her first blue marlin after five hours, and she's on her first now. And then, you know, so the other one is greyhound, and it's about to spool the reel going the other way. So put my daughter in charge of that one because, I, you know, I knew she knew what to do and could kind of leave her alone. So luckily – the one that went the opposite way that my wife was on was a smaller marlin. It got tail wrapped, so we actually were able to catch it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Released it, and then we, you know, hauled ass backwards, and we caught the other one. So the other fish was over 500 pounds. It was about 112, 113-inch fish. Holy cow. So, like, you know, here we are in a ladies' tournament where it's only release, and we we, kill, we got two kill fish, and then we fished 10 other tournaments that we, you know, we probably caught. 20 fish that were 108 you know right under the 110 limit to kill wow, them or whatever so big fish bunch of big fish but you know we didn't catch the right one wow. until we we're in a tournament where you can't kill one so uh that's it was, crazy it was, it was a cool when you all tripled up like that were you on live bait or literally? yeah live bait really yeah wow. everything was live bait that's crazy and you were yeah. at a rig yep yep we we're at a rig i think we were um by Horn Mountain or Rampile, one of those two right there. We were pretty close. It's crazy. Yep. It's crazy how they'll swim together like that. Mm-hmm. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. That's crazy. Man, I can't imagine tripling up on Marlin. It's <laughs> just unbelievable. Yeah, the, I mean, that was the first time for me. Uh, you know, we've caught three in a day a few times, and but that was the first time to have three bite at the same time. Like you ever was, doubled at the same time? Not here in Costa Rica, you know. I've done yeah. a few of those fad trips and catch doubles there, yeah. but here I haven't. Uh, you know, I know people That's do. That's crazy. But I don't think I've ever heard of somebody catching three at a time here. Yeah, never heard of that. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't think if we would have the other one would have stayed hooked, I don't think we would have caught all three. I mean, with <laughs> you know, luckily the the small one got tail wrapped, but the big one was going you know straight away from the boat, so we probably would have got spooled if we wouldn't. have. We'd have had another one to deal with, you know. Yeah. How do how do you feel about? Um, I know you guys are are um, in the process of getting one, but how do you feel about these Omni sonars? Um, it's something I just talked to Tom about, and um, you know, it's kind of a debated topic between a lot of fishermen and and people that put on these tournaments. Um, I've talked to a lot of owners and different people that would say that you know it's cheating and we need to get rid of it. How do you feel about it? Well, I, you know, I guess it all depends if you have one or if you don't. You know, it's probably a lot of your opinion. Uh, you know, so it, it's kind of, you know, I, I it's think. It's true. It, it if is, you have it, one, it, you want to do it. Is, it is true. And if you go back in time, the lure fishing and live bait was the same conversation. Same conversation, you know? yeah. uh, So we were always big lure fishermen until two years ago is before we started live bait. And I always pulled lures. And we caught a lot of fish with lures. And, you know, we're always like, oh, you're cheating live bait. And, you know, they, they – it's just like anything in the world. They try to create a controversy and people argue between, you know, so I, I always try to stay above that and not get involved in it. And, you know, if you catch your fish doing something, as long as it's by the rules and, hey, you do what you do. I mean, it's a, yeah. a competition, if you will, as long as you, you're playing by the rules. Yeah. We never had a sonar. We're putting one in right now. Um, I fished on a boat once or twice with one. 
So I, I never had the strong opinion that it's cheating or, you know, you shouldn't have it. I mean, you could almost argue that a, a, a fish finder or a bottom machine is the same thing. You know, when that technology, times, yeah. when that technology came out, you know, you probably had the same opinion, you know, because some people had more powerful transducers than others or saw better and better technology. Uh, you know, if you had the old Fruno green screen versus a, a color, yeah. uh, good stuff. That's know? what I say. Okay. At what point do you decide we're not going to get any better? We're good enough. You know yeah, <laughs> You know what I mean? Exactly, like, exactly. you have all these boats with all this technology, the rod and reels. I mean, we're not using hand lines anymore. You right, know? right. <laughs> so I don't view it as cheating. I mean, I you know, I, I think the – uh, you know, the sports become a big money sport. And if you want to compete in it, you almost have to have one. I mean, yeah. you know, you still can probably catch the one or two fish and maybe the big fish. But if you want to compete from a catch and release standpoint where you're trying to catch multiple fish and you're trying to do uh, in these tournaments, you know, that uh, uh, like the, the SFC, which adds up multiple tournaments with points where you need to be consistent. You got to catch Marlin all the time. You know, you almost have to have one. You know, that's kind of why it's unheard of how high we finished last year without one. Yeah. So, you know, we're um, – we, we, I don't really have a, a strong opinion one way or the other. I mean, I don't – No, I like I don't, your take I don't on think it. they're cheating, I think your, but your I, think, takes, you know, I think your takes align with what most fishermen in this tournament would probably say. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're always going to have those people on the back saying that we should get rid of them. Mm -hmm. and I, I think they said that Costa Rica is making – a separate category for people that have those sonars and they do that at mobile big game that's what i was going to say uh, so i think they should do more of that to be honest and i think those people maybe change their opinion mm -hmm. so at the mobile big game tournaments uh the masters that they do in the um the club tournaments and then also the um, labor day tournament there's a, a non-sonar division that you can bet in separate so uh, i think that's a great idea yeah, kind of yeah. separates. Yeah, it give keeps you, those people happy. Yeah. We always bet it, and we, we usually won it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we we typically did pretty good. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but um, I guess that's kind of on the lines of conservation. But what what do you think that we should do to like kind of keep this thing rolling? Um, as far as you know, what 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 do you think we can do as fishermen or within these tournaments? Um, to you know further protect our resource and keep it going. Yeah, I think, you know, conservation plays a big part, and especially these tournaments. Um, you know, I think you get a lot of people fishing who are not tournament fishing who don't see the advantage sometimes of uh, conservation. You know, I'm sure as a charter captain, you probably get a lot of people uh, who are who are cautious and they um, care about conservation, but you get a lot of people who hey, don't want to fill up the ice chest and fill their things up so as a, you know as a, as a captain you probably work your butt off to try to maintain and and yeah and lev level that out you know yeah. and uh but in the tournament world it's kind of you know at the end of the day we're all fishing for happy gilmore checks you know mm -hmm. i'd much rather eat a steak than eat some of these fish just swimming <laughs> out there now don't, don't get me wrong we love tuna and wahoo and dolphin and everything else but we love doing it we're we're not doing it you know to fill the freezer up yeah. if you will so there's cheaper ways to feed yourself absolutely absolutely <laughs> a bunch of a lot of cheaper ways so we do whatever we can for conservation you know um my daughter's real passionate uh that dolphin tag and dolphin research program so you know everybody will keep a gazillion dolphins but we have the tag so we actually tag a lot of the small dolphins that we catch you know we keep the ones that have a potential to win in the tournament that kind of stuff mm -hmm. but we let those go we still participate in the uh we actually tag our marlin a lot of people don't do that anymore but we still participate in igfa tagging 
filling the cards out and that kind of stuff. And um, we also, what I mentioned earlier in the uh, the Mobile Big Game, is trying to get to be a part of the uh, IGFA satellite tagging program. They did maybe five or six years ago. They tagged a bunch of fish in the Gulf, but to my knowledge, they didn't get any data back. It didn't. The tags didn't work. It was a problem. So last year they auctioned off some tags. So us and another boat bought one. We tagged the fish last Labor Day after we killed the big one. We we released one, uh, but I don't think the tag worked. It was supposed to pop up a couple of weeks ago, and I, to my knowledge, they hadn't got the data. So they're supposed to give us another tag, but. That's a cool program that they have data all over the world except the Gulf of Mexico. So for one reason, <laughs> I don't know if the Makos are eating the damn shark, eating the marlin or, or what's going on. Rig interference. Yeah, <laughs> so we're trying to get some kind of, uh, you know, data on the fish to yeah. like where they live and what they're doing. Yeah, I did. Um, I took a, a couple of different biologists out last year to do satellite tagging on triple tail okay, uh, off cool. the coast of Louisiana. And um, it's really cool stuff, man. Some of the bigger fish we caught made it all the way to Mexico. Oh, that's wild. And they found out that some of them live right there in Louisiana. They never leave. Yeah, so right, right. It's all really beneficial information. Yeah, know, so. yeah, for sure. And that's what we were trying to get on the Marlin. You know, obviously it would be cool to know what they do, but from yeah. a strategy standpoint, trying to understand patterns and what they do, you know, for these tournaments to have a better idea. And, yeah. you know, you could use some of the charts that Tom has. If you could get data when they're here and there, you could go back and look at charts and know temperature, salinity, yeah. you know, chlorophyll, those kind of things to know where you need to fish you know yeah yeah and, and you know and just to touch on what me and tom had just talked about as well is the um you know i i think we need to make more habitat more fads and stuff mm -hmm. like that you know like you've seen the the change in the fishery in costa rica with yep. all the fads and stuff that they've made now the the legalities and putting fads and stuff out here in the gulf of mexico seems a lot harder because of the amount of regulation that we have you know going on here but I don't know. Yeah, I, I know the ones that they have off of Destin, uh, you know, south of Pensacola, Destin area, if you will. I mean, they, they've been very productive. We've caught a few marlin at those last year. Them, and some, really? Yeah, we fished them. And we, wow, I think awesome. we caught two blue marlin, and we actually had a damn tuna that was, you know, it was probably our worst thing that happened last year. We had a tuna that was 150-plus in that tournament and on the gaff, and we lost the damn fish, you know. so I mean, On the gaff? Adam like, on? Like, uh, Adam gaff. Touched, well, we touched him with the gaff instead of stuck him with the gaff. And it shot under the boat and <laughs> oh, it broke, no. broke the line off. So it was. Y'all catch him on a lure? No, live bait. He ate a live bait. Really? And, uh, you know, the way we bet, you know, it's probably $150,000 fish plus that we lost. And so it hurt. It hurt. But, hey, that's fishing. You know, that was the only fish we lost, which is a good thing. And yeah. But, you know, back to the conservation point of it, I think we caught 26 marlin last year and we only killed one. So. You know, uh, yeah. a lot of these tournaments have uh, big lengths, uh, you know, big minimal measurements, uh, a lot bigger than the legal limit to kill them. Uh, you know, legally, I think it has to be 101 inches, but just about every tournament is 110 to 112 inches. So, yeah. you know, that's a 500-pound-plus fish in order yeah. to kill one. So there's you a lot of You think that's a good fish. thing? Yeah, I think that's a good thing, I, you know. Um, Absolutely. I do too. I, and I, I think you see it in the tournaments if you look. It, you know, every one of these tournaments, they save every year what was caught size and all of that. And if you look 10 years ago, uh, a 350 to a 550-pound fish was the average that they would weigh in these tournaments. And they would have three fish every tournament, at least three fish. You know, now you some tournaments you have three or four, but most of them you have one or two or whatever. But, you know, they're all 550 or, or you know, to 800-pound fish. 
So, you know, I, the size have seemed to going up a lot. Uh, the quantity of what people are catching is going up a lot, you know, so I think it's uh, I think it's I think the quantity of marlin fishing from the time that you started has, has gotten better? I think so, and, and well, I think people are catching more. Whether, whether it's, it's we're getting better at it or... Yeah, whether it's if the population has increased or if it's because of sonar and live baiting and those types of things and techniques and people are getting better at it. Um, you know, I don't know. I think it'd be just an opinion if, if you tried to say it was more yeah. fish or better at it, but, you know... Sometimes I think, I think about that because it's like, uh, you know, a lot of your pelagic species, they rely on, like, warmer waters. Mm-hmm. And if they say that the, you know, the Earth's getting... The water temperatures are getting warmer, maybe that's more habitable it's better you know for pelagic species yeah i don't know for sure but i don't know maybe but i think you're right though we we haven't gotten any worse at catching fish no no sure. there's a lot of good teams at it man and you know i think the the live bait and sonar changed that a lot you know yeah 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 the live baiting definitely did and without a doubt the sonar has too it's it's really cool to see man i, I really and i think it's a good time to be being fishing and everything and i think uh yeah, I wish you guys the best of luck this weekend, man. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, so we'll, we'll be on uh, CBS Sports this weekend uh, on Sport Fishing Championships. So, so they come on your boat? And yeah, so there's a cameraman or a boat, and uh, they connect through Starlink. So, I mean, it's almost live. So Really? It's pretty cool. Yeah, there's there's a, a time slot on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday that they show. And how many and, boats uh, will they be on? They typically on eight or nine boats, typically. So, really? um, yeah, so they should be on eight or nine boats and, um, you know, they report what we're catching and they film, you know, that and we do dumb stuff every once in a while. We got a couple of little rituals. We sprinkle lucky charms in the water before we start fishing. What's one of your, like what's that. one of so your rituals? Can you L- say? Lucky charms is one of them. You really? Know, uh, so every morning <laughs> that's, that's the Marlin breakfast. We all take us a bite of lucky charms and we sprinkle them in the water. You know, so, <laughs> so we, uh, we probably buy more lucky charms than anybody in the world. <laughs> Uh, that's kind of one of our thing and then uh, you know the other little ritual is, is Pip uh, you know one of the mates that fish with us and the guy who runs a boat that we're fishing on this weekend and um, he had this uh, garden frog you know like the little concrete frog that's in your garden yeah I don't know if he found it somewhere or something so last year when he started fishing with us he started bringing it on the boat but we kept catching marlin kept catching <laughs> marlin so you know, we, the frog. We, we repainted the frog, you know, we redid her bikini. We, we cut a marlin skirt, made her a new little squid skirt, you know, and, uh, and, uh, you know, so she's been our good luck charm. And so we got a fish on and normally it's kind of, we put her in a live well where it looks like she's at the bottom of the live well. And we put her in the tuna tubes. My daughter says she's having a spa day or whatever, you know, and so they put it on TV and stuff all the time. It's funny, <laughs> but we get a fish on. So I moved it on top of the mezzanine, uh, footrest. And we had to get in there to grab a bait or something. Well, somebody opens a thing and they broke her. She has like an arm where she's kind of like propping her head like this. So it broke her arm off. So we catch the marlin and we get it out. And then we, we don't catch shit the rest of the day. And I'm like, man, we, we broke our good luck charm, you know. So I said, we got to glue her damn arm back on. So we're just looking all over the boat for some glue. So finally I find some glue. And I said, wait, before we glue it, I said, don't, Jason, do you have like an old ring or something? So we found a ring and the way her arm was broken, we put it on like a bracelet before I glued it back. So now she has a big ring like jewelry. And so we glued the arm back and shit. We started catching marlin again. So, so that that damn fish's been all over the world. So last year, you know, we fished the Gulf. We went all the way to South Padre Island, brought the frog. We went to Puerto Rico and fished in the finals, brought the frog. And you know, we fished in my uh, 
just all over. We bring it. We bring it with us. So that's cool. How big yeah. is it? Is it like it's it's small. It's I mean it's maybe you know uh, eight inches a foot or whatever. It's a little concrete like a that's cool little garden decoration. You know, but we got it painted. You that's know? cool. I have all kind of think little things sometimes. I'll you know try to change the luck on a charter. I'll say y'all got to dump one of them beers over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give yeah, one yeah. to the homies. <laughs> that's right. We do that as well. Cricket, our, our captain, uh, you know, we joke, we say he lives on cigarettes, Bud Light, and Slim Jims, so uh, he'll he'll sprinkle a little Bud Light for the for the Marlins tomorrow and get them going. But <laughs> I believe in that stuff, man. Yeah, I really yeah, do. There's yeah. always something to it. Whatever works, whatever works. Well, man, is there uh, anything else you want to say, talk about? Any other stories? Oh. I guess the only other thing we did that was pretty cool this year, you know, uh, which was real fortunate on the SFC um, my daughter, Jacelyn, went in junior, I mean, a lady, our angler of the year, and that part of it, we got invited to participate in what's called the catch. Mm-hmm. So they invited some NFL football players, and they picked, uh, it was four boats that each had NFL football players. So uh, the Quantified, Justin Drummond was one of the boats, the Gypsy boat, and uh, there's another boat called Polarizer to fish on the east. So two East Coast boats, two golf boats, and we were the other one. Uh, and we we were fortunate enough to fish um, uh, on the the frigate. It's a beautiful boat um, uh, from the guys on Walker's K out there in Sakara Island. Mm-hmm. He uh, let us fish on his boat with Ian and John, and we went out there sail fishing with some NFL players. And uh, we had Quinnen Williams and Patrick Sertain. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quinnen plays for the Jets. Patrick plays for uh, Denver, and uh, both of them went to Alabama. So. My daughter goes to LSU, so I mean, you know, college sports, <laughs> LSU, Alabama is a pretty uh, it's a touchy so, subject. Yeah, yeah, touchy boat. subject. We're all good sports about it, but we mess with them. So, you know, she had her Rising Sun shirts on, but underneath it, she had her LSU shirt on. They just didn't know it, you know. So uh, we caught a few fish. We didn't catch any sailfish, but we caught a, a tuna and a, and a dolphin, a mahi. So they want to take their picture with the fish, you know. So she hurry ups and pulls her shirt off. So she's in the picture with the Alabama guys with her LSU shirt on. And, <laughs> so on the ride in, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, the, the neck song uh, that LSU plays is outlawed. Yeah, so the LSU fans will know what I'm talking about. So we played neck on the way home with the Alabama guys. So it was it was really cool. We made it. We have a YouTube channel. We made a little video of that. Y'all part. have so, a YouTube channel? Yeah, yeah. Plug we it. Do. What is it? It's uh, Rising Suns Fishing. Rising Suns Fishing. Yeah, and uh, so we made a little short of it or whatever. So it's pretty cool. You know, you got Patrick Sertain and and. Uh, and Quentin, you know, they're both giving a thumbs down on the song we're playing. It. <laughs> but we had uh, Deion Jones fish with us. Uh, he was an LSU graduate. He played for Atlanta for a bunch of years, and now he's in Cleveland. So he was on the boat as well. So he was loving it, you know. So he's all on the video. And That's cool. That's but it was cool a cool experience. Around, and, it, you know, the SFC has is, is really kind of opened our eyes to another side of it besides the competitiveness yeah. to try to win the tournaments. kind of, you know, just expose people what we do, you know. I mean, we're everyday people like anybody else. We, you know, yeah. work five days a week or sometimes we work six days a week so you can take <laughs> off next weekend to come fishing. And um, so, you know, they're shining a light on the sport to show it to people. Well, how long has SFC been, been around? This is the second year. So last That's, I wanted to say it hadn't been long because yeah. I was like, I thought the first time I had seen about it because, like, I started doing a podcast four years ago. And I always thought that, like, you know, the, the you know, the, the kind of the basis of this podcast was like, you know, I, down in Venice, you talk to these old cats and stuff and they tell you these stories. And it's like, man, like, 
you know, and then eventually you kind of forget about them, and, mm-hmm. and then you see the guy again, and you hear the story again, and I'm like, man, somebody needs to record this, man. Right. Like, That's what right. are we doing? That's right. <laughs> and, That's right. And everybody always joked around like they needed to have a reality TV show down in Venice, and I was like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this podcast stuff out, you know, because I was a big fan of podcasts as well, and um, I don't know when I saw S- SFC come around, I was like, you know. Man, finally, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, finally, because they they do kind of do some interviews and different things like that. A yeah, little bit yeah, actually, well. they do. Uh, you know, we d- I did an interview today with them on Garmin. You know, we have Garmin Electronics, so showing some of the features of Garmin and what it does and what we do, and um, you know, they do little excerpts and you know, yeah. put they. There's a little different style. I try to get yeah. like more of like a one-on-one, longer, genuine conversation going, and and I mean that not to take away from what they're doing is definitely very needed, and I, I'm glad they're doing it. But um, I wish I always say I wish I could I could I could make this my full time job to where I could just like go to all these tournaments and get these stories and like really like, you know, stay at this because I really I really, really enjoy it, man. Getting to getting to know you like we just did, like Mm -hmm. it it almost puts like it puts you more into the moment. You know what I mean? Like if I were just to meet you on the dock, we wouldn't have had the conversation. That's right. That's right. You know what I mean? Exactly. right. And so but I ask you for an hour of your time and you're so gracious to give it to me. You know, we're able to do, you know, kind of document these stories and you'll have this, you know, for as, you know, as long, as long as you want, you can always play back, stop, stop it. You know, it's really cool. Cool. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, uh, you know, we definitely uh, share it on all our social media stuff and, you know, try to push some, some listeners your way and, uh, definitely appreciate being here. And, uh, you know, we just, at the end of the day, we love doing it. And, and, you know, so many people in this you know, have a mindset of some of the people on these boats and, you know, and how they are and what they do, you know, we're just everyday people like everybody else, you know, I mean, yeah, man. we just, cool we, just we just, sure. we just love doing it. So, uh, you know, just trying to show people that, Hey, anybody can do it. If you, you know, you determine and you work hard and, and fortunate in life and, uh, it's just, you know, something cool to do. No, uh, it's, that's awesome, man. That's luckily. a good way to look at it too. And how like you're, I mean, you definitely are, man. Like, it, you know, you, definitely like very genuine just like you said just like just like everybody else and it's it's so cool to you know be able to i always say it's cool to be involved in the fishing fishing community too because like everybody knows everybody in some Mm -hmm. type of way you know like you know somebody i know or you know all those type of things and yeah it's a small world it's it's cool to be connected in that way you know it's a whole community of people yeah, it's amazing how small, especially in the tournament sport fishing, you know, you go all over in the world and you run into somebody here or there, wherever that knows somebody and yeah. it's a very small world. Yeah, it's cool. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up with that, man, but uh, I really appreciate you uh, coming coming and talking with me and uh, yeah, man, can't thank you enough. Yeah, glad to be here. Glad to meet you. Awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.